On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Setting the Captives Free will encourage you to use the tools of your own personal freedom to help others experience their own personal victory to be all God has called them to be. Welcome to Setting the Captives Free, Session 10. This is We're going to talk about bringing liberty to the oppressed. Now remember, we're talking about Luke 4, 18 and 19. And let me just read this. This is what Jesus quotes out of Isaiah 61. It said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We've been walking through this passage talking about that not only was that Jesus's ministry, but it's our ministry also. And so when he talks about the oppressed, um, it, old King James says the ones that are bruised, but the bottom line is there's a lot of oppression, especially even in the body of Christ today. Uh, there's a lot of depression. Uh, a lot of people are on medicine trying to help us with our depression. What are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about an issue of the mind because everything really begins in the mind and the enemy targets the mind. I want to read this verse. This is John 10, 10. I believe this captures the essence of everything that we actually are dealing with. A thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So what we have here, we have the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus who's come that we might have life. I mean, it's just as clear as can be. It's not all kinds of issues. No, this is what's going on, going on all the time. So how does the enemy steal, kill, and destroy? How does he do that? Well, he is the father of lies, and he lies all the time. He is trying to get you to believe a lie, because it says in John 8, 31 and 32, which we'll look at in a few minutes, but the truth will make you free. If the truth makes you free, a lie will keep you in bondage. So the enemy is trying to get all of us to believe a lie. Jesus who is the truth, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, through the Word of God is trying to get us to believe the truth. I love to say this, and I haven't said it in a while, but your circumstances and facts are going to change. The truth never changes, because Jesus never changes. So ups and downs and good things and bad things and all kinds of things are going to happen in your life, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he never changes. So what we have here is a battle that's going on right here. The enemy knows that if he can get that battle won here, he's going to win the victory. This is Romans 8, 5, and 6. And I really encourage you, these two verses, to really uh, remember these verses. To those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, again, the word carnal or fleshly, some of the translations use. Here's the point. The enemy knows that verse. He knows that if he can get your mind, your thoughts captivated so that all you're looking at is the negative circumstances and situations of your life, it's going to produce death. The whole issue is what is your focus? What are you focused on? What what are you looking at? The Lord knows 
that if we don't stay spiritually minded or, or God-focused, uh, word-focused, focused on him, it's going to produce life and peace. So the battle is what's going on here. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus have come to give you life. So the enemy is trying to plant thoughts in our mind, doubts and unbelief, and trying to get us to question God's goodness. He's trying to get us to question your identity as a child of God. He's trying to get you to doubt because that doubt is going to produce all kinds of negative things. So if you could picture this, the enemy is trying to get your mind, and he's trying to get you focused on all the bad stuff going on in life, whatever's going on in your life. Always something going on in our life. There's always something going on that we don't like. Always something going on in this world. There's always something, always a problem. Jesus says in John 16, 33, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Listen, sin, sickness, and death are still in this world. And until Jesus returns, it's still going to be here. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy is death. And then once that is completely, he wraps it all up and presents it all to the Father. In the meantime, we live between the time of the cross and his return. And we live in this age that actually, while we're talking about setting the captives free, we get to participate in helping people get free. So understanding the battle that's going on in the mind is absolutely imperative. Not only do we have to win that battle, but we can help others win that battle because it's so easy. You can talk to people and you can really just say, hey, you keep talking negatively. You keep thinking about this. It's going to develop fear. Unbelief is going to come. It's going to kill you. And you've got to recognize, you've got to stop the traffic that's going on in your mind. Now, this is a, another verse that I want to spend a little time in. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. It says, though we walk in the flesh, that means that we're living in the natural realm, we do not war according to the flesh or the natural realm. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, that's a mouthful. There's a lot of things here that we need to look at. Number one is that, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a pattern of thinking contrary to the word of God, and its fruit is hopelessness. So if there's an area in your life that you don't believe can change, that's a stronghold. Now, it says that we can pull down. We have weapons that are mighty in God. Primary weapon, the Word of God. We have the, the, the battle, do we believe the Word or are we going to believe our circumstances? Are we going to believe Jesus or are we going to believe what we're experiencing in life? That's really the real issue in everything. So if we're going to help people get free, we've got to help them understand the battle that's going on in the mind. Strongholds are what holds us in to defeat. A stronghold is a fortress that keeps me contained. It keeps me from being who God's created me. I can be born again and be filled with the Spirit. I can, I can do all these things, but I'm still contained in the area that that stronghold has control of my life. So how are we going to pull down this stronghold? Well, we've got to pull it down by understanding what are arguments. What are arguments? So I'm going to tell you right now what arguments are. It's the evidence that the devil uses to support the stronghold. For example, he'll say, well, look, you've been prayed for. 
you, you, you went to ministry. You've had to look at the people you've had to pray for. You look at what you've done. You fasted, you prayed, you read your Bible. It didn't work. So the devil will constantly bring up the evidence of the stuff that hasn't worked. Evidence that the stronghold is in place and is going to stay in place. So once you understand that, you got to go, wait a minute. I've got weapons that are mighty in God. I don't have to continue to. It doesn't matter how many times I've been prayed for. Get prayed for again. It doesn't matter how many times I've done these certain things. I'm, my faith is going to be in God. So casting down arguments is very important to recognize, okay, I don't know why something hasn't happened the way I wanted it to happen. I don't know why this or that, but I'm going to trust God. The next thing it says is that we're to, um, and, and we're also supposed to cast out every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is where the enemy accuses God. So the first one, he brings up the evidence and says, look, this is why that stronghold is in place. You're not going to get free. Then the next deal is, is he's accusing God. You know, you know, hey, God's not that good. God's not that powerful. If God were that powerful, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't have this problem. If God were really good, these things wouldn't have happened in your life. And when you understand this battle, you begin to realize why we're defeated in so many areas. Because we've allowed that lie from the enemy of something negative about God, we've allowed a lie that has come in about the accusations of what we're not doing or shouldn't be doing or could be doing. And we, we don't realize and understand how much we've accepted that. And that's why that stronghold is so strong. So what God wants us to do is to recognize, wait a minute, God is good. He's good regardless of what's going on in my life. He is loved regardless of how, if I feel loved because he demonstrated love by going to the cross and dying for me. And I don't care how much evidence is stacked up. I have the living word of God, Jesus, and the power of the Spirit that is a living testimony that, wait a minute, the truth will make you free. And so we can pull down those strongholds, those patterns of belief. So when we're praying for people, we're ministering to people, we need to help them understand they're locked into patterns. How do you get free? Well, John 8, 31 and 32. He said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's as simple as that. You're going to say, well, why? Well, because we don't understand that the word of God is living. We've talked about it before. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharpening a two-edged sword. Why? Because Jesus is the word. So what we're talking about here is that he's saying, look, if you will abide in my word, that means to remain, that means to stay, it means to continue. If we will spend time in his word, we will discover the truth, and we're his disciples first. We'll discover the truth, and the truth is going to make us free. So the battle in the mind is, again, based upon, are we going to believe a lie, or are we going to believe the truth? Are we going to believe the circumstances of life, or are we going to believe the truth of God's word? That's the battle. So what God is wanting us to do is to help others understand this battle. Everybody, I'm just going to tell you, everybody we come in contact with is battling right here. It's battling over the mind. We got to help people, help them. We can help them. Wait a minute. What are you thinking? Why, why are you thinking that? Why are you thinking that way? That's a, that's a lie. You don't have to believe that lie. Here's what the truth says. So that is a battle. So I want to talk about one major battle, and that is the issue of fear. Fear is what the enemy is constantly uses to accelerate 
his kingdom. Uh, we're inundated in this nation with fear. I said years ago when 9-11 happened, what happened to this nation was a trauma that the the twin towers and the airplanes that went in there and, and the Pentagon and the one that destroyed out in Pennsylvania, that was a an attack of the enemy. Remember, we don't battle flesh and blood. We're not battling people. What that did, that trauma released a level of fear in this nation that's greater than we've ever seen. It continues to this day. So fear is huge. And remember, God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So you've got to understand, if you want to pull down a stronghold of fear, that's where there's a pattern of just lifestyle of fear. I'm afraid. I'm always fearful. I'm always afraid. Listen, that activates the kingdom of darkness, where faith activates the kingdom of God. So think about this. You've got to discover or believe what the Word says about fear. Again, the truth will make you free. Everything else will keep you in bondage. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to make things real in your life. He lives in us. See, it's from inside, not from outside. The enemy is outside trying to make us afraid. The Spirit of God is inside who gives us peace. You may need to have some help. There are a lot of books on fear. There's lots of things to read. But the bottom line is you've got to discover what the truth of the Word is, and you've got to agree with that. This is, this is a battle, but we can help people get free. I, I just encounter people all the time with fear. Fear. They're afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid of this is going to happen, afraid that's going to happen. Fears in this world. Why does it say 365 times, don't fear, don't worry, don't be anxious? Because God knows that that's the tool of the enemy to try to get us to be afraid. Constantly ministering fear to us. What's going to happen? I don't know. All I know is Jesus demonstrated his love by going to the cross and dying for me, and it says, perfect love casts out fear. So my point of just even pointing up this particular deal is this battle is upfront and personal. It's going on all the time. So we've got to recognize that that fear issue is something the enemy is using, and he's constantly harping on our mind, trying to get our attention so that what do we do? We turn away from Jesus. It says, looking unto Jesus, Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and perfecter and finisher of our faith. That word, looking unto Jesus, actually means looking away from and looking toward him. That's what we're talking about in setting the captives free and, and really taking thoughts captive and really being able to focus on the Lord. Understanding this battle, we've got to look away from the fear. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's already demonstrated his major love for us. Now, one more thing I want to talk about is this issue, issue of depression and um, or oppression, whatever term you want to use. But the reality is, is that this is a, a major issue that we're dealing with today in the church. I think that fear is the, is the root issue of causing us to have a lot of depression and oppression. Fear opens the door. It's a gateway that the enemy brings. This is Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart causes depression. So again, that's why the enemy uses fear so much of the time. He's trying to get a door open so he can get access to us. Now, Anger, unforgiveness, broken relationships. These are a lot of unresolved issues. If we don't handle them properly, 
for example, if I don't choose to forgive and choose to let go, it's going to fester. I get upset. Remember, it says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun set on your anger in Ephesians. Well, why? Because I get angry. I get upset when, you, when you're wrong, when people mistreat you. That's an emotion. That's okay. It's what I do with that emotion that's going to affect me. Now, I can't change what somebody did to me, but I can change what I do with what they did. So if I don't handle it properly, get upset. I get upset. I, I, that's not right. But I need to choose to forgive and to release and to bless. If I do that, it won't get a hold in me. But if I let the sun set on it and it dwells on me and I think about it and it, and it just continues on, I'm telling you, you're going to have a harder time getting rid of that. And ultimately, I'm telling you, it's going to cause depression. Unfulfilled expectations. This is a big one. I thought something was going to happen. It didn't. What it produces is unbelievable amount of, well, you know, uh, that's what the enemy's after. He's after you doubting and trying to get you to, well, I can't believe this. Oh, I thought God was going to do this. So we get mad at God. I thought this. I thought that. Boy, when I'm looking to someone else to meet something in me, I'm usually always going to be disappointed. I'm always going to be, it's like, uh, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you were going to act this way. I thought you were going to do this. I thought this. I thought this. The moment you go there, you're probably going to start moving down into really being disappointed, and you're really going to have these unfulfilled expectations. Loss. Any kind of a loss is going to bring a huge amount of uh, oppression and depression in your life. Remember Isaiah 61 that, you know, it says that he gives you beauty for ashes. Wow. You ever seen ashes? I mean, ashes are it, it completely burned up and gone. God says, I'll bring beauty out of ashes. Why? Because the cross speaks of life, not death. You say, what? Well, the cross is an instrument of death. It is. But out of death came life. That's the mystery of the kingdom of God. That's the mystery of God himself. You go, uh-uh. No, you thought you had me. I came out of that grave, and I live forevermore. I've got the keys of death and Hades in my hand. Devil doesn't have that any longer. But loss is going to, it's just, oh my gosh, I've lost a loved one. I've lost a child. I've lost money. I've lost a business. I've lost something. That enemy uses that to try to get us into depression. Obviously, there are chemical issues and physical issues with depression too. Uh, our brain sometimes gets out of whack. Our bodies get out of whack. And a lot of times, chemically, they're really, we're not functioning properly. And a lot of those things affect us in, as far as depression goes. And there's a demonic spirit. It says that there is a spirit of heaviness, Isaiah 61 says. Well, what did he do? He gave us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. A spirit of heaviness is a demonic spirit. So all of these things contribute to the issue of depression or oppression. So whatever the case is, anytime you're praying with somebody that's really depressed, you need to be very careful. Don't ever tell somebody they need to do something because if they could have done something, they would have already done it. So don't tell them that. So you need to, need to pray. We need to believe for the power of God. Don't put pressure on somebody to do something. Trust God to use you to release his power and grace and mercy in their life. That makes sense? If we're going to pray for people, we want to release the power of God into their lives so that really I, I'm not the source and I don't put 
pressure on that person to do something. Well, you need to do this. You need to believe this. You need to do that. No, we want to keep that pressure off of people, pressure off us. Listen, I'm just a conduit. I get to pray and minister and release the power of God. That's what God wants us to do. Now, people have really been in depression a long time. We're probably going to need a lot more help than what we can do in just a, a prayer. But we can't help them understand the battle that's going on in the mind. Now, I want to turn to a passage of Scripture and, and walk us through this. This is James chapter 1. And um, I want to read this. This is a beginning in verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, because every good gift comes from above. Okay, so what is he saying there? Well, he's saying that, look, don't, don't ever say that God tempts you. God doesn't tempt the evil. There is no evil in God. He cannot tempt you. But we need to understand there's a progression of what the enemy uses. And I call these the, the deadly Ds. And uh, we'll have these for you there. But the point is, is, number one, what does the enemy use? Number one, he uses doubt. It's a thought. He always tries to get you to think negatively. And once you can start thinking negatively or contrary to the word, remember the battle of the mind, he's trying to get you to believe a negative something. It's going to produce, he's trying to produce deception. He's trying to get you that doubt. He's trying to get you to move into deception. And what that deception does is when you start believing that that thought was true. Okay, does that make sense? So now he's trying to take deception and he wants to, if you don't stop that thought by pulling down those strongholds and taking every thought captive. If you don't stop that thought, it's going to turn into discouragement. Uh, another word is disappointment. But either way, it's going to produce, it's the beginning of hopelessness. Hopelessness out of that discouragement is going to produce despair where you feel helpless and you're going to ultimately end up in defeat. And that ultimately is going to end up in depression and he's after his death. Now, why I use that is because there's a, in psychology, you talk about a cycle of, of, of addiction. And what happens is if you follow this pattern, you'll realize that in any kind of addictive behavior, any kind of pattern that's contrary to God's word, there's a progression that the enemy uses. And what most people don't recognize is until it's way too late to stop whatever they're doing or stop the thought process or to stop the activity. Once you've passed those top two or three deals, you, you don't even realize it. It becomes so normal to you. Now, the cycle of addiction will cycle, then you'll come out of it, and then you'll be somewhat free for a while. And But there's always the same pattern that the enemy uses on you. Now, again, we're not trying to cause us to be psychologists or ministers. I'm just pointing out that there's a process here. James says that when you're tempted, you're tempted when you're drawn away by your own desires and enticed. Then the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So you got to understand, just because there's thoughts, 
And because there's activity that you're, oh my gosh, thinking about this stuff, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've sinned. So what the enemy will tell you is, oh no, you've already failed. Oh my gosh. He gives you a thought, condemns you for having the thought, and we're so gullible, we're going, I know, I'm just a terrible person, I can't believe that. No, we could stop the traffic right there. Again, the battle of the mind. So I hope this helps you. This is just a pattern I want you to, to try to understand that the enemy, he comes to kill steal, and to destroy. He uses the mind. He tries to get your mind set on negative things. Whatever it may be, he's trying to get your mind set on something other than the truth, the life, which is Jesus Christ and his word. So I want to pray for us because, listen, we can help a lot of people just understanding the battle that goes on in your mind, the thought life. Well, Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you that you have paid in full for us to have life. You tell us we have the mind of Christ. So Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the spirit of truth and that you will lead us in truth and guide us and direct us. Help us to be ministers of freedom. We wanna help set the captives free. Help us to understand the battle that goes on in our minds so we can help others understand the battle that goes on in their mind. Lord, we want to help people break out of fear. We want to help us break out of that the entire pattern of the things that are negative to your life, whether it's depression, oppression, fear, bondage, addiction, doesn't matter. We want to see people set free. Help us, Lord. Help us to start seeing and hearing with your eyes and ears so that we can be used of you and help us to help people really just walk in the victory that you've already paid for. Help us to understand the battle of the mind so that we can be free. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we just thank you now in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.